Greetings, friends. Monty Alexander, coming to you. Four o'clock Eastern Standard Time, New York City. A challenging place to be right now. The great city that it is, however, in regards to this terrible blight that's upon us, we must cover the face. So I put on this mask just to make a point. And I made this sign, put it around my neck, six feet back. I mean, stay back. And I got this Sharpie here and I marked my fingers so that when I get ready to put my hand in my mouth as I tend to do, and many of us do, I see the black mark and that's one more reason not to do this. So just trying to be cautious and follow the wisdom of the wise people telling us how to be at this time. Cautious, careful, and first of all, we are lamenting the loss of so many precious souls who, as we say in Jamaica, where I come from, gone ahead. They've gone ahead. So thank you very much for tuning in. This video discussion or chat of anecdotes and incidents will be the first of many that I would delight in sharing with you because, believe it or not, I've been around coming from Jamaica, born in the year 1944, just, just recently, which makes me, <clears throat> how, how, many, how old is that? 75 years young. Yes, I am. But it feels like yesterday when I was a little boy walking the streets of Kingston, Jamaica, because of a condition I had called a love of music, musicians, sounds, bird in the tree. If I heard a bird in the tree, I would... I would try to go to a piano and play what I thought the bird was whistling. If I heard a truck backfiring, I go to the piano and play the backfiring of the truck. And I would go to the piano and make the sounds on the piano as if thunder was coming from the sky and the lightning. I would scare myself. So to me, sounds were an appealing thing. And um, I just fell in love with music. So the condition which years went by, I realized that condition was really a gift because that's what led me to play the piano. And one day somebody hired me to play the piano at some bar in Kingston, Jamaica, and they offered me, what, two Jamaican shillings at the time. I don't even remember, but it was amazing to receive a payment to do something that I was loving. So here I am, still doing that and loving it. And the memories that I have are so thrilling to, to recall that um, we thought I would do this little, what you call, series of discussions, chats. People said, you should write a book, Monty, about this, that, this, that, 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 this, that. And I, so sorry to say I didn't get to that. It's waiting in the wings, but this wonderful technology named technology, or whatever they call it, is here to be utilized in a good way and share with friends. So, okay. What can I tell you? Kingston, Jamaica. I am just a little boy. I fell in love with the music, the Calypso music, the mental music, which is what we call it, came from a place called West Africa. The folk music of that country is the cornerstone of a lot of the rhythms you hear in the islands, in South America, New Orleans, which we say is the most northern part of the Caribbean, literally, right? So. I am now going to go into a discussion where I share some anecdotes with you. And you know, brain is working well, but every now and then I tend to forget. First of all, 
I have made a lot of friends who come from a community known as Jazz. J-A-Z-Z, or Z-Z, as we say in, in Jamaica, right? And it's a very valuable and important community. And indeed, I feel I am a part of that. But you know, the truth is, I consider myself a musician. I just like all music, all music. And that's what came to Jamaica in the early 50s. The rhythm and blues music we heard from New Orleans. And that's how, how the Jamaican music started, because the local record producers were trying to emulate what they heard coming from New Orleans and from Miami and from Chicago. And that music that made you tap your foot, shake you, you know what, and enjoy yourself. Right. So I want to pan down if there's any way to do that. These records that I have here, and there's a picture of Mr. Frank Sinatra. That's Monty, nine, the first record in 1965. The last one I did in 2019, 2020, and I made over 76 albums. So between the music and the great artists, a sport of boxing, which I really fell in love with from a kid. So important to me. I spent a lot of time in the presence of this man, Muhammad Ali. I tell people, say, he's my favorite piano player. They say, he didn't play piano. I said, if he played the piano, that's the guy, right? So, sharing anecdotes of the many, many occasions, I was in the presence of Mr. Frank Sinatra, who is the one that recommended me to come to New York in 1963, where I played at Jilly's. So, I'm going to back up now and tell you about my story of the bass, the electric bass. It's standing right nearby. I'm going to grab my base and I'm going to put it on my lap. Here's the story of the base. This is the first instrument that helped me to connect with this music that I heard coming from everywhere. I would play along with the old records or the radio. I played bass note and that, helped, that just automatically brought me closer to the whole world of music. So this was a gift from a daddy because I went to a concert at what's called the Carib Theater, which was like in Jamaica, the Radio City Music Hall or the Paramount Theater. They had these amazing rhythm and blues shows that came down that as a kid, I couldn't miss one of those shows. I was nine years old at the Carib Theater. My first great concert by a, an amazing American artist was, his name was Louis Armstrong. I saw Louis Armstrong. Saxmo got on the stage and boy, let me tell you, the house was rocking. And I heard Louis, Louis Armstrong. I had his records, Ambassador Satch. Then I saw Nat King Cole, my other great American music hero. But all of them were heroes. Perry Como to Tennessee Ernie Ford to all the music I heard. I love the cowboy music. So in coming video discussions, I will tell you in detail a lot more about the many times I was with Mr. Sinatra, f six in the morning after a night at Jilly's, and uh, just hanging out and being there because they welcomed me. I must have been a good guy. I was buying my own business, staying out of trouble, but I was there. I'll tell you about my times around Muhammad Ali, Cassius Clay in, in 1963, and I used to go to boxing. This thing here, a Fender bass, was I received it in 
1960, 5960. So this thing is my one memento from my beloved Jamaica. Left everything behind when my mother said we're going to Florida. And I played it on a couple of records when uh, I wasn't sure about how the, the regular bass player was playing it. And I just took the bass and I started to play the bass part myself. I still have it. And there's a wonderful history. I had this bass. And um, I was playing in Miami, Florida. And one night, a friend of the marvelous hand drummer that was playing in the group, Mr. Bobby Thomas, this friend of his was that very special, mercurial individual by the name of Jacko Pastorius. Jacko came in and my bass was there. He borrowed my bass and he started to sit in with me. And he did, I know he didn't mean any harm, but he was standing next to me and he was swinging the bass and he almost knocked me off the piano bench. I said, Jacko, cool it. The point I'm making is Jacko, rest his soul, he left us with a difficult departure, to put it mildly. And he wanted to buy the bass and I would not sell Jacko the bass. And other guys wanted to buy it. But this is the bass that I came to New York and had it with me. I was playing at the Playboy Club in 1965. That famous Playboy Club that was innovated by the Mr. Hugh Hefner. And I knew, I knew all these people. And I was playing there with my combo. And um, Bob was the bassist. But let me tell you, Bob Crancher, one of the absolute most swinging, pulsating, rock solid, underpinning bass players that ever existed. And I had the great honor of playing with the greatest, greatest, greatest bass players of them all. Ray Brown, uh, Eugene Wright, the one man of color that was in the Dave Brubeck organization and Eugene Senator, and this, he was in the 50s. I saw him in Jamaica when I was about, I don't know, 12 years old. So Bob had an accident and was wearing a whip, a, a, a neck brace for his, the terrible whiplash he had and he was in much pain as he held the bass that we were playing every night. And I said, I said, Bob, you okay? He was like my big brother, this beautiful human, Bob Crenshaw. And Bob said to me, I'm okay, but it's hurting a bit and I have to hold the bass. And so I said, Bob, did you ever play the electric bass? He said, not really. I've seen one or two, but I never played it. I said, well, I want to bring my electric bass into the club tomorrow night and you have a go, you try it. And that's what I did. And I brought it in and Bob fell in love with playing the electric bass. And I dare say that between him and the brother of West Montgomery, Monk Montgomery, were the first two musicians. There were a few others. George Joyner from the B.B. King band uh, that played the electric bass. And they were awesome musicians, just out of this world, right? So I brought the bass in, Bob borrowed the bass and kept it for like a year and a half because he decided he wanted to play the electric bass. In fact, he was the bass player on Sesame Street for 25 years. And needless to say, that kept him coming, you know, making his earnings because 25 years later, he was on the job and the residuals that came. So all this to tell you, this bass has quite a history. I love it. And that's how I used to learn the music. It was the first electric bass, I dare say, that came to Jamaica. And you know, Jamaica with this reggae music and the rock steady music and lovers rock music and the dance hall music is all driven by, of course, the drums, but the bass. And in Bob Marley's records, they were all electric bass. I don't know if it was a Fender or another brand. The Beatles were using electric bass, but this bass came to Jamaica in 1959, 
along with another beloved musician, Mr. Byron Lee. The bassist came to Jamaica. I begged my father because I'd seen, I think it was when Frankie Lyman, why do fools fall in love? That's Frankie Lyman hit, right? And all these other R&B bands, Jackie Wilson, Brooke Benton, um, Sam Cooke. I saw all these guys. And they had this long neck guitar because I didn't see the, the bass, the one that you have hold, like, hold like that. And I said, where's the bass? But then there was a long neck with four strings and, a, and an amplifier bigger than the other amp and it was leaning back. And I was fascinated because that was the bass. I was hearing the bass notes and I begged my father. I said, Daddy, I beg you please, no man. Can I get one of them electric bass? And we ordered it from the local music store. And about three months later, it took a while, the two basses came, one for me, one for Baron Lee. And they, they came to my house, uh, to this music store. We went and picked them up and Mr. Baron Lee came to my place and we sat around playing the bass like two kids, right? And this is when I'm about, I don't know, 15 or 16 years old. So I didn't know about any other electric basses in Jamaica. But then after that, the great ones that became well-known, the, the Robbie Shakespeare, uh, Barrett with, with Bob Marley. So I just loved the bass. That was, for me was the first instrument that connected me closer to this music from America, if, if you will. Because the other bass that you would hear was in the Calypso band. They played a rumba box, which was like a big overgrown kalimba from Africa. And the musician would play, sit on the box, we call it rumba box, and it would boom, 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 boom. And you just hear the pitches, right? And that was what was called a rumba box. And then came the upright. There were some good guys that played with the military band, but then the electric bass. And Monte Alexander bass, number one, and Byron Lee, of course. And then the rest of the men that got started playing electric bass. And the, the rest is history. So, what else to tell you? This electric bass is a precious treasure for me. And I played it, I did this album just now, where I was so taken with the music of one of the jazz icons, Mr. Thelonious Monk. I always heard the, the island rhythms in his songs. When I heard him play some of those tunes, up-tempo tunes, I heard, wait a minute, that feel like, it feel almost like Calypso. And in fact, Miles Davis made that observation, the great Miles Davis. He's another man I got to know very well. I spent a lot of time with Mr. Miles Davis. Just me hanging out with him at his apartment up on, up on West End Avenue, off of about 78th Street, I think it was. I go by there and I sit around with this man and talk about Sugar Ray Robinson, the great boxer, right? And music and so on and so forth. I could go on, but the bass has been a big important aspect of my whole journey. Uh, I saw an album cover which featured the music of the great, great pianist, Mr. Oscar Peterson, who another man I got to know very well, who recommended me to the record company he was with. And I made about eight albums for MPS, the German record label. And um, on the record cover was a man, wonderful, beautiful uh, composure of a man with a beautiful smile. And it looked just like my mother's brother, Uncle Jim. So wait, that, that guy looked just like Uncle Jim. And it was the great bassist, Mr. Ray Brown. And I saw that picture and I just had a sense of kinship with this man. And not much longer while I'm in New York playing at this place, at this place, he came to town. He was performing and I went to meet him. I like just about knocked on his hotel room there. I said, Monty, I gotta know you. And we hung out for a couple of days, like and he became like a wonderful big brother to me. 
So this is the place. Right. I played it on my album on Warwick Hill. And in fact, I don't know if we have it rigged up. By the way, just to let you know, you don't see her, but Katarina is my number one friend in the whole wide world. This, this person is off the charts, folks. Katarina <laughs> is the one who rigged up the camera, the computer, this whole thing about showing and sharing with you. So this video chat about life, Monty Alexander, I call it reminiscing in rhythm, if you will, reminiscing in rhythm, is me reminiscing in rhythm and trying to make sense as I talk to you because I get excited when I start thinking about all these adventures I had. You know, I mean, how would you feel if you saw and shook the hand of Cassius Clay and you just knew in 1963 when you met this dashing young gentleman that he was going to continue to be this awesome human being, a man who loved humanity. He said, I'm the greatest, but he always acknowledged the creator as the greatest later on. He just said that to draw people to come to the concerts, to the, to the boxing matches. So I could go on and on. And um, on other occasions, I'll tell you about how I went to the Carib Theater and I saw Louis Armstrong, my biggest hero. And then I got a trumpet. I said, Daddy, I want a trumpet. And my father went and got the trumpet for me and I was starting to play the trumpet. But to be honest with you, this didn't do very well with the trumpet. But I could play it like a bugle. And the guys at school said, Alexander, you're going to play at the football match as the, what you call it, the, uh, they have a name. Court, not the court jester, but the, 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 you know, just to play when the football the team come out. The mascot, see that? <laughs> Katarina, thank you, darling. So these are anecdotes and reminiscence. I could tell you all about the advent of the recordings in Jamaica. When the, the scat, because another thing, between Mr. Sinatra, between... Archie Moore, who I got to know, he's like my dear friend. He would write me letters. See, Joe? This is Archie Moore writing to me and, and beautiful letters of friendship. And I could go on. The Cowboys, Roy Rogers, very important to my life, musical development. When every Saturday matinee, I would make sure I was in the front row or if not the second row, Sitting at, looking up at the screen saying, wow, cowboys mm, riding through the valleys and the hills. Anyhow, folks, not much more to say on this first time around occasion. And um, to be continued, hope you'll tune in for another version of Monty's Reminiscing in Rhythm. And how am I doing, Kat? Pretty good. You think so? Yes. You think people enjoyed me talking this, that, the other? But I, I have reminiscences that are so... Marvelous, and and they were all legal. Let's put it that way, right? How I circumvented that terrible thing called the drug, the drug times when all these wonderful artists were were doing dangerous things to themselves, needles in their arms. The times that I saw guys shooting heroin, I said, no, 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 I can't do that. My mother said, if I ever heard that you did that. I'm going to box you upside your head. I mean, boxing is what we say in Jamaica. You bop, bop. And that, that, as well as what the, the, the preacher in church said, stay away from those things. And thank God I never went there. The question online, they're asking where you keep your piano. The piano in the back room. <laughs> a lot of dust on it. I'll tell you a secret. Don't, Next time. <laughs> don't, 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 don't think ill of me, folks, but I hardly ever played the piano. As, 
as a kid, I never really practiced. I would just play. It's a different thing between practice and play. So I got the piano and play and just play the songs and have fun. And to this day, I have the piano. And every now and then, I open up the lid. The piano notes look at me. You see all those white keys? They look like teeth. When they look at me, I say, come to me, Monty. And I go there and I play for a few minutes. And right now, it's a little out of tune. I, I hesitate to go play. But believe you me, there's a whole lot of music going on in this head of mine that I want to share with the world to put a smile and also something to ponder. Any more the, questions? They're asking if it's a Yamaha. Of I don't course. call the name of the piano of too much. Of course it is. Of course it's a Yamaha. <laughs> you know, when they say, which piano is your favorite? I said, everyone. <laughs> All my pianos are the favorite, but Yamaha has been wonderful to me and I appreciate them very much. And, and this piano is special, why? Why? Because it has an electrical thing. See? Yes, you can plug it in, and at night when nobody's around to hear, you can put on the headphones and you can play a little song and not disturb the neighbors. So, See. yes. And um, maybe we'll show it one day. Maybe we'll show it one day and we'll go in there and play a few minutes, right? But this is mostly me sharing anecdotes, and I, I, I look forward to telling you about being with Miles Davis, going to the fights with Miles, and um, hearing him talk about music that he loved so this is a fact no making it up and um i'm going to sign off so now somebody wants to hear about ray brown before we sign off ray brown was was very larger than life ray brown walked in the room and it's like the the walls shook and smiled and said hello because he was always brought this sunny disposition and when he picked up the bass believe me folks it was it became like party time because he come to to make you feel good and that, that was my philosophy too i said if i have this condition this gift to play music then i have to be sharing it in a way that not only makes me happy but hopefully other people and that was how ray brown was every note he played it was like i said this once it was like the last note of his life that's that's what it was and ray brown was to me the essence of the, the bottom of the music. Now, I had the honor of playing with some, some of the greatest guys in bass. I played with the great Ron Carter. I played with Paul Chambers. Paul worked with me down in Florida. I was at the funeral when he passed, very sad, when I sat next to Winton Kelly, who was my friend, who was a Jamaican, by the way, and um, Sam Jones, this, this brother from Florida, from Tampa, I believe he was from, and he used to laugh every other word out of Sam was nothing but just good time, humor. And none of these musicians I'm talking about related to a place called Jamaica. So I come from Jamaica, and I'm, they're asking me, where you from, boy, where you from? And I'm saying, I say, Puerto Rico, Cuba, no, Jamaica. Yes, I don't, I don't look like all the other Jamaicans. I'm, I'm me, I'm of wondrous variety. Let me put it that way. Kind of mixed from before, right? So... The world of music, the world of people, that has been my joy and pleasure. And right now, I'm going to warn you one more time. Six feet back. Wash your hands a lot all day. Wear the mask. Where I put it? You know what I mean. The mask is here, right? I put the Sharpie on the fingers. Don't. Wait a minute. Don't. And, um... I remember the good things that have been told to me from when I was growing up because Jamaica was a wonderful place to grow up as a kid, you know?
in my time and I believe it still is very much the same way. So right now, everybody keeps safe. Jamaican folk hero, Miss Louise Bennett would say, walk good, meaning be careful, be safe, and God bless you all. Thanks for tuning in. I talk too much, right? See you soon.